재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 It is Dive In Korea Friday, our chance to explore some of the top trending social media items of the week, along with Jim Bully and Joanne Jung, and see what's on Koreans' minds. Welcome, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Well, if you're looking for chat about the two other 700-pound gorilla trending stories out there, the British election and the Comey testimony, this is not the place, but uh, this is a place for respite from those stories and bringing it back home to Korea. Um, we can start in the political realm, though, can't we? Uh, we we kind of touched on this last week. What a difference a week makes, right? We were talking about uh, Kang Kyung-wha and her uh, amazing swish of silver hair and her amazing resume. That seemed like it was going to catapult her into being South Korea's first female foreign minister nominee. A little darker of a prospect for that now. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of articles are saying that, you know, there's a bit of a red light when it concerns Kang Hyung-wha at the moment. The others, I think two of them have been sort of given the green light so far. One sort of on the edge. So a yellow light for that person. We're talking about the Constitutional Court Chief nominee Kim Isu and also the Deputy Prime Minister nominee Kim dong Yeon. There's also the Fair Trade Commission Chairman nominee. Uh, his name is Kim Sang-jo. And then there are is, of course, Kang Gyeonghwa. Okay, so very really, nitty-gritty yes. survey of names there. <laughs> uh, if we sort of pull up to a slightly higher altitude, what, what are we looking at in uh, Korean politics that's playing out here? I mean, we're looking at the nominations for cabinet and senior positions, or not even the nominations. They don't necessarily have to be approved. Exactly. It's just they still go through this process, and it's kind of like testing the water for how well they're going to work mm. with the National Assembly in the future. So it's a formality. This is an interesting aspect of the Korean system. Uh, you know, in a U.S. system, you don't get confirmation, you don't get your post, right? But here, if uh, Moon Jae-in wanted to ramrod them into their jobs, he could. Some he of them. He could, but that could pose problems later on. Okay. So he's trying to win approval and they're really, really being grilled on the stand at the moment. I think um, uh, one of the nominees actually apologized to a f- um, former bus driver that he sentenced to death while he was, um, uh, you know, hearing for the 1980 democracy movement back in Gwangju. Okay, yeah, so this, this is the is constitutional court nominee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is an interesting one. So so Kim Yisoo, the, the, the nominee for the constitutional court chief, was back in the 1980s, a very junior prosecutor within the Army Prosecution Service. Okay. And as part of his role, he was involved in the prosecution of, um, of the people following the, the Gwangju incident. And um, he... So he did, he did prosecute people to death then as part of his role. And that is obviously a big sticking point now. And it has been kind of throughout his career. But at the same time, the organizations that represent the people that died during, you know, during that time have said that they understand that he was, he, you know, he was a very junior role. He was not in a position himself to, to really do anything about it. But of course, it's still a major issue. Yeah, he was at the forefront of it. There's no doubt about it. And he has um, issued apologies. People are sort of on the fence about him. I think uh, the Deputy Prime Minister nominee, he has faced allegations that he uh, uh, cheated on an eyesight test back in 1977 to avoid military (laughs) service, but he has flatly denied it. Apparently that is not true. Um, And he will probably be given the green light by a lot of people. Um, And the Fair Trade Commission's uh, chairman nominee is a little bit interesting. 
Um, he's got a lot of allegations against him, including a uh, uh, false address registration, which Kang Kyung Hwa is really being grilled about. Yes. Um, he was also uh, accused of under-reporting the price of a house that he actually bought back in the 90s. So that, that was a little bit of a sticking point too. And his wife is being brought into this. She apparently um, got a position as an English conversation instructor at a high school, mm. but her English schools did not quite meet the requirements. So people are a little bit annoyed about that. Okay. In <laughs> normal times, mm-hmm. um, perhaps these are little uh, ethical fudges that could uh, would, would not necessarily matter so much, right? But I, I dare say that in the immediate aftermath of an impeachment and a mass movement uh, about ethical lapses and uh, perceived corruption and so on, um, this administration has to at least appear extra squeaky clean, and that's why these are problems. Do I have that right? Yeah, I mean these these nomination processes are always a hard slog. Like it's there's there's never been one where they were just like, yep, yep, they're all fine. But a large part of the problem here is that also there was no transition period. Mm. So the Moon camp had no opportunity to really strongly vet their candidates or to consider you know how they were going to fight things that did come up during the nomination process. And then on top of that, there's also the fact that during the campaign. The you know President Moon specifically said these are the things that I will never appoint someone for, and right. now they're coming up time and time again with different candidates. Did you think? Do you think he was aware that his candidates were involved in stuff like this when he said that? When he said that, I, I don't think he was aware when he nominated them. I just don't think that they. I think they didn't have time to run you know, these. These are procedures. little things that sit in your closet. I, I doubt it's uh, you know conversation over. Uh, if, who knows? I think he probably had his candidates in mind throughout the most of the election and somewhere in the back of his mind. He could have been quietly vetting them during the election process itself, which, let's face it, for months it was no secret that he was way out in advance and it was his election to lose, right? The, the candidates that he's that he's nominated and the ones especially that have become big focal points of the opposition like Kang kyung are big statement nominations. He's nominated these guys for a reason and often not from the normal process. So these these are big candidates for a specific reason. You know, the, um, Kim Yisoo is an incredibly liberal constitutional court justice. Um, Kang Kyung-ha is the first woman to nominate to the position. The first person to be nominated to the position hasn't gone through the normal channels. He's pushed these people for a reason. Unfortunately, they're being tripped up by the same old tricks that's happened yeah. to everyone over the years. Most of our online comments deal with Kang Kyung-ha, so before we hear those uh, uh, we should address some of her challenges. Obviously, uh, as we pointed to last week, there's the false uh, resident registration or um, I don't know how much ethical weight you want to put behind this. I mean, she. You, some people might argue she had her reasons and so on. Um, but uh, what other things should we point out about Kang before we hear people's comments? Well, I haven't really looked into this part, but apparently there are issues with gift tax payment returns and also speculative real estate. So those came up after the whole falsified registration of address and stuff like that. So people are really not happy. But negative um, aspects aside, there are positive aspects because women are really rallying support behind this lady because she is the epitome of a strong, independent woman. Now, what am I talking about? She apparently um, you know, uh, has a separate account to her husband <laughs> and she looks after her own money and this is the clinching point. She has supported her parents financially over the years, even uh-huh. after getting married. 
Now that's going to win you family points, with, especially with some of the women out there that understand. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so she, the separation of money thing—that's an interesting uh, decision in a household. Uh, we could start a whole fifteen-minute or so discussion on whether that's a good idea to unpool your family finances. But um, there's that—that that, that certainly creates the impression of uh, independence and so on. Before we. Uh, kind of talk about that let's let's hear a few comments from people online read as always by the robo readers she's met with countless representatives and delegates from various countries and is a great communicator people who worked with her at the un have already admitted that she is exceptional at what she does there have been some moral issues but she has sincerely apologized for it I think her skills outweigh these other issues. I don't like the opposition party, but I agree with them in opposing Kang Kyung-ha. She doesn't appear to be a responsible and competent individual. I don't think her work skills outweigh her wrongdoings. I wasn't so sure about her before the hearings, especially with everything we hear about her on the news. But after seeing it, I think she's smart and will do a good job. My mom and her friends are jealous of Kang's parents. They say stuff like, my kids aren't able to help us out like that. Then they tell us to watch and learn from Kang. We're still coaching along the robo readers in their uh, Korean pronunciations, <laughs> Kang, Kong, <laughs> Hua, uh, things like that. But um, a real diversity of opinions there. Uh, some for Kang, some uh, flatly against. Um, what is what, Joanne? What would you say in the sort of Korea, Korean media sphere, Korean opinion sphere? Uh, is the balance of opinion that uh, she's a competent person? That she's? I mean, we heard a, a division in this little sample. But what, what kind of other things are people saying? I think the sample that we just saw then is representative of the general large sample as well. I think people are sort of half and half about this whole issue because I think they acknowledge that she is exceptional at what she does when it comes to, you know, diplomatic stuff. But mm. you know, her ethical issues are a little bit of a touchy, sensitive subject here in Korea. So, uh, yeah. Those are what are, you know, drawing her back, setting her back on becoming um, the foreign minister. Are they real standout ethical violations in the scope of things? I'm not saying, she, you know, was it wrong, was it not wrong? But when we look at uh, sort of the landscape of uh, politicians, what they do, what people in uh, leading positions in industry do, do these rank high on the scale in terms of ethical misjudgments? No, when you talk about it like that, I don't think so. But, I mean, people are really, really get, taking it personally this time because, you know, this is meant to be a squeaky clean um, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, nomination here and it hasn't been. It, it's just the same old politics being bantered about and people are a little bit disappointed and they're like, you know, if she can do it, we should be able to do it as well. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it comes down <laughs> to these are things that people with money and or influence mm. can do and other people wouldn't have an opportunity to do. So there's an extra level of resentment there from the fact that, that these things that she's accused of were taking advantage of advantages she had that your average Korean person doesn't. Bit of a gap and oh thing going on. There's a, there's a bit of sensitivity in South Korea now about... Uh, 
inequality of income, opportunity, and leverage. And if uh, South Koreans perceive somebody using their leverage, their status uh, in the elite to further advantage themselves, that's something that can get really under their skin. Huge family points, though, for taking care of the older generation. Uh, as this society ages, people are getting more and more concerned about that. And uh, we heard one of the robo-reader comments say, I envy her parents because she's stepping up and taking care of her elder parents using her money and resources. You know, that's that's really, uh, you know, uh, the parents are saying that, but the kids are like, you know, we don't have a choice. <laughs> I don't envy, yeah. We look bad now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the parents don't care about that. They're just like, you know, she can do it. You should be able to do it as well. And, and she's a woman and you're a woman that shouldn't, you know, hold you back from doing what she's done in the past. So... <laughs> One of these days, we're going to have to a have a discussion with you two uh, members of married couples and talk about that separated bank account issue when we have time. But that's going to be a discussion for a future date. Two more topics coming up in Dive In Korea Friday when we return with Jim and Joanne right after this. We're back with our Friday edition of Dive In Korea, joined by Joanne Jung and Jim Bully. I'm Kurt Asian, and we're talking about some of the top media and social media items that people have been buzzing about this week. Jim, topic two, I think, is close to your heart, sports. Yeah, so we're heading to the sports arena next, particularly baseball. Now, inclusivity in sports is always a hot topic, but recently this week in Korea, we've been talking a lot about how included deaf people are in watching sports in Korea. Hmm. Now, Korean sign language has 24,792 different signs. Only three of those are baseball terms. You're kidding me, really? So if you want to watch baseball in uh, in Korea and you're deaf, you only have the option of talking about a home run, a safe, or an out. That's it. And those I think I know two of those. Got. I'm not yeah. sure what the home run one is, but the safe and the out are probably universal baseball hand gestures, yeah. right? Yeah. So those are, yeah. So th- and that is it. That's all you've got. So if you wanted to watch television, you know, often late at night, they put on the broadcast with someone signing in the corner. For baseball, they're mostly just standing there. Because there are no signs available to explain what's going on You're during the game. They, they put the picture up of somebody just standing there? Yeah, occasionally, yeah. And they try, or they try and explain what's going on. Okay. Now, even more bizarrely, Korea has a deaf baseball league. There are 12 teams and 180 players, but there's no official sign language. So every one of those teams has to make up their own signs as they go. Wow. So Organization. If you, right. So if you transfer from one team to the other, you're literally speaking a different language when it comes to the baseball terms. That's quite amazing. Uh, I Perhaps a naive question, but why not import American baseball sign language? Does it just not work that way? I think that sign languages are profoundly different. Okay. Um, so every, there, are, there are hundreds of different sign languages around the world. And, you know, you could import uh, Korea, uh, the sign language from America, but it wouldn't make sense in Korean. All it right. may be that it already contradicts with existing signs in Korean. Okay, I'm willing to, uh, to, to buy that. I guess one option, if you're watching the, the game electronically, is to um, put closed captions on the bottom of what the announcers are saying. And then you're just reading words. Yeah, so digitally you can do that if you're watching them online and if that's a facility that's available. Mm. Sometimes it isn't with live broadcasts. Okay. Um, but for the, the reason this is in the news now is that last Saturday was Deaf Awareness Day here in Korea and the Hanwha Eagles uh, down in Daejeon, not one of the most prolific baseball teams in recent years, but certainly in the arena of Deaf Awareness, they've pulled out all the stops because Hanwha um, sort of 
revealed a project they've been working on for the last six months called the Biggest Voice wow. Project. And they have, with a team of experts, both baseball and sign language experts, created a baseball language with 135 signs and a dictionary that can be used by baseball teams all over Korea. That's amazing. Uh, six months they spent working on it. And obviously in some kind of close consultation, uh, I don't know if there's an equivalent of like a Gallaudet University or a deaf university in Korea, but certainly there's a a cadre of experts. They kept it on very much on the down low and then just uh, revealed it during Deaf Awareness Week, right? I mean, I think it was, I don't think it was intentionally kept a secret, but perhaps people weren't that aware of it. And to be honest, probably still wouldn't be Mm. that aware of it if it wasn't for the fact that at the game on Saturday, at the bottom of the eighth inning, which is normally the biggest rally point, especially for Hanwha, who were losing five one at the time, the 13,000 Hanwha fans in the stadium forwent their usual Hanwha theme song and signed the whole cheer. Really? Um, so there were, there were 300 deaf people who'd been invited to the game and who had the game commentated to them by um, people signing using the new language, and then the 13,000 fans signed the cheer, and that's really what made headlines this week. That is so cool. Imagine how thrilling that must have been for, for those uh, deaf people who had never been included at that level in a baseball game before uh right down to sort of the these are the team songs that that they sing like to to cheer on the team kind of thing yeah exactly yeah and that's all translated which i suppose the language was pre-existing for for cheering but then for the play-by-play you needed to come up with this what did you say it was about 300 terms uh 135 135 terms what do you think about that, Joanne? Well, I think uh, I've seen a few comments saying that they actually did sing along to it, not just sign it. So people, okay. people were a little bit annoyed about that. Um, but I think people are saying that people outside of of the deaf community here in baseball will not understand it, even if they see it used outside. Mm. So that, that's a bit of an issue that people have. Other than that, it's a really positive project that people are happy that they're bringing on here in Korea. It's one of those things that... Um demonstrating it in action is almost as important the optics of that demonstrating the commitment to an inclusive society is almost as important as the actual utility of the the sign language itself i think so yeah i think even however inclusive you may feel you are personally it probably doesn't occur to you you know i mean i go to baseball games as much as anybody in korea who doesn't play baseball and uh i know this from from personal experience and it it had never you know it's just not something that you really think of you don't think of there's this whole community who are pretty into baseball they've got their own league who aren't able to enjoy this at all at the same level and of course in korean baseball as compared to sort of american baseball the cheering is a major 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 part of the spectacle yeah it's it's almost choreographed it's it's part of it's a it's a callback performance in a way you know yeah. the audience is very much engaged yeah exactly and even though people were singing at the same time as signing that's fine because it, it's it, the whole point of inclusivity is that everyone's involved mm-hmm. it wasn't like we're going to do something that only deaf people could understand now it was let's bring deaf people into the fold yeah hanwha eagles taking the lead on inclusivity for deaf spectators of baseball let's see what the robo readers representing korean comments think of that <laughs> The team is at the bottom of the ladder, but they're still doing good things. I've always given you the thumbs down, but today, I applaud you. I went to see a baseball game for the first time last year. It was very interesting seeing the spectators cheer in sign language. 
I don't think those who are hearing impaired would understand some of these made-up words. I went and saw this the other day. There were spectators who were hearing impaired, and it made me think how difficult things would be for them. We're only signing a few words, but for them, this is daily life. I will try to be more understanding and try to help them out whenever I can. I guess one of the commenters had a reasonable point there. There's going to be a learning curve yeah. for the deaf spectators to learn these new vocabulary of the hands. Yeah, so I mean, I think probably the 300 that were there on Saturday perhaps didn't really fully understand everything that was going on because it is a new language. But Hanwell have produced a dictionary, um, sales of which are going to you know deaf awareness charities. So the whole thing is quite a good cycle and it is an available resource. So if you're into baseball, you know, then deaf people can, can get hold of that and study it. So interesting. So the inclusivity for you're giving me ideas. We ought to go out and do some kind of longer story on that kind of thing. Are there deaf athletes? Yes. Yeah, so famous Korea, ones? Korea is actually um, home of one of the most famous deaf athletes there is. Um, Lee Duck Hee, the tennis player. Um, he's only 19 years old. Uh, he was ranked third in the world in the junior combined tennis ranking. As of last year, he's in the top 150 adult players in the world. Um, he's you know within the top three at his age range. He's a great tennis player, and he is profoundly deaf. And he he plays tennis by feeling the vibrations and by watching for hand movements from the line judges. That is so fat. We I actually mentioned him about a year or so ago in one of these rants. He had just won something, and uh, imagine playing tennis without hearing the pitch of the ball being hit by the other side. So that's so it's important. Amazing. Yeah, and hearing the bounce, feeling the vibrations. Like I said, you're talking about the vibrations on on, on the ground. Yeah. So he, I mean, he feels the the ball and the pitch of that, which is more which sensitive is to feeling. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is quite incredible. So Korea is actually it's not a bad place for inclusivity when it comes to playing sports. There are a lot of deaf teams, deaf leagues. There's a lot of that kind of thing. It's just sometimes that it's perhaps difficult to engage in spectating in the same way as for people who who do not have any hearing issues. Fascinating. It'd be very interesting to see how this catches on and uh, how widely deaf spectators will have access to this new vocabulary of baseball sign language. I guess we can drift into our final topic of the day. Uh, every now and then we talk about the pervasiveness of social media networking. I guess this is a manifestation of uh, the pervasiveness of social networking because we pluck comments off the web. But um, I'll take another quick survey. How addicted are you to your social networks, Jim? Not overly. Not overly. Compared to you, certainly. <laughs> you know, you saw me take one picture at a baseball game and suddenly you're... you're All I'm saying is anytime I spend any social time with you, you're <laughs> 90% on the phone and 10% in the room with you, the rest of us. I, you know, you and a couple of other friends probably could form a consensus on that, so I'll give you that. Uh, I do t- tend to have my face down in um, various mobile applications how about yourself joanne i went under uh, a social media cleanse a few years ago so i'm hardly on any of the social media networks now you're still not i'm still not oh my goodness you sound like a reformed <laughs> I'm pretty, addict i'm pretty happy about it yeah i'm pretty proud of myself well it can open up some peacefulness of the soul can't it have you ever i mean the thing we're talking about here is some people call it a digital fast or a connectivity diet 
Mm-hmm. What's and it we're all about? also going to talk about personal connection diets as well, INMEC. So social mm. connections, interpersonal relationships here in Korea. Because, you know, when you go to get ahead and work in the workplace, in the professional field, you need some connections, don't you? You need, you need people who say, hey, you know, this person's a pretty good dude. You know, I can vouch for him. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, she, she really has her credentials down pat, so you can use her. And um, a lot of the young generation these days, they're really, really struggling to keep these interpersonal relationships going. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it, it requires a lot of time and energy. So what they're undergoing is what's called a inmek diet. Inmek diet. So, yes. So it's like a personal connection diet. And they're choosing to become a connection poor or inmek koji. Inmek koji. <laughs> inmek koji. Not as many inmek, not as many networking contacts as before. And by corollary, perhaps not as much work and stress. I guess that's the, the gist of it is to buy yourself a little bit of uh, serenity. Exactly. So, I mean, sometimes this happen na- happens naturally because you have some big events in your life. For example, you might have like, a wedding coming up or you might have a-, a death of a family member, like especially your parents. And you know, you sort of, you know, sort out your close friends and the not so close friends and just the acquaintances mm-hmm. by the number of people and the type of people who actually come to those events in go. support of you. Um, but sometimes people just cut loose with the connections altogether because just can't be bothered. Jim's just looking at me like, what Jim, is going on? Do you differentiate your uh, your digital connections and your quote unquote? I mean, almost everybody's a digital connection nowadays, aren't they? And your in in mech, your mm-hmm. in mech, your personal connections. You know, I don't think I've ever given it much thought. Right. Um, I yeah, no, I don't know. I think that I am quite happy to have personal connections. If anyone wants to be my friend, then frankly, I'll take it. <laughs> I've never really been interested in... If you want to be Jim's friend, email careerscape at gmail.com. No, yeah, I'm, it's not like that. Thanks. No, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think... I have some. So, yeah, okay, occasionally kind of friendships and relationships kind of go to seed. You don't see someone as much, that kind of thing. Mm. But I don't think it's an intentional decision. Yeah. My friend used to call, uh, you know, the big social media network out there, the sock drawer. It's where you keep all your friends in the sock drawer kind of thing. You don't think about your socks in the sock drawer, but they're there. You, know, you can reach <laughs> in and get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and depending on how many dozens or hundreds of social connections you have, some people will be more or less relevant. So I think it's partially a psychological attitude. You don't need to give attention to all, you know, 500 or however many social contacts online that you have. I think, yeah, living around the world in various different countries has taught me, I think, that a good connection, a good relationship is where you can pick it up without talking for ages. That's it. Where you can leave it for a few years because you're somewhere else or you're busy or whatever and then go back and nothing's changed. Yeah, you said a mouthful there. I've got some friends. In fact, friends that I usually, in my case, they're friends that I met before the internet and certainly before mobile social networks became a big thing. I can literally go with a, a year and a half without speaking to them and then I'll be asking them a super casual question online. Have you heard this song? You like it? I'll be, yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. It's a, it's a seamless kind of thing. <laughs> why, are you, why are you laughing at me? I just it was a funny example. <laughs> I, and I would normally open with, how are you? Exactly. But if, yeah. if you just want to cut, open with that, have that. you heard this song, then that's fine. <laughs> it was music we heard at the jazz festival. I was like, hey, do you like this group? Um, okay, so 
a personal connection diet. Is it best to go full on cold turkey? How are people going on a personal connection diet here in Korea? I think most people just go full on full, you know, cold turkey. They just cut all connections. If they don't um, contact them by phone or meet up or through SNS, then that relationship just um, disintegrates and it's just lost forever. So it's pretty easy because a lot of these people that they were maintaining relationships with were not very close to them in the first place. Mm. So, All relationships require grooming. All networking is tending your garden, isn't mm-hmm. it? So if you step back and you, uh, and you don't do that, mm-hmm. connections will wither and die. I guess the idea is to have some of the uh, less useful or the less fruitful connections just kind of fall off the grapevine, right? Mm-hmm. But are you hamstringing yourself if you do that? I mean, Korea is a country where personal connections are incredibly business, important in business and, and personal life. And, you know, everything is built on handing out your business card, your name card to everyone you meet and right. cultivating those relationships through way shakes and drinks and coffees and that kind of thing. If you take yourself out of that game, are you kind of, you know, putting yourself out of the, out of the kind of fast stream? Scarcity sometimes creates value, I think. Um, and I think that if you pull yourself out and you're not so eager and don't appear to be a tryhard in networking all the time, uh, if you don't go overboard with it, that can enhance value, I think, because they're like, oh, wow, I haven't heard, nobody hears from this person and uh, now that person is reaching out to me. It's like, it's like people of few words, when they finally speak up, um, people listen perhaps a bit more because it's not constant chatter. I mean, if you're dealing with people in the older generation, I think you are missing out because you won't be, you know, included in all the, you know, workplace um, secrets and whatnot, and you might not get a promotion as quickly as you would. But I think the younger generation are trying to wean out of that system of, you know, having people, you know, uh, place you in a spot. Like, <laughs> pigeonhole you as a particular mm-hmm. type of individual useful for a specific purpose exactly so i mean a lot of people are doing this and also um there's this term that's called pat like 노래방 pat or 점심 pat so what this is is sort of like um a, a thunder gathering or flash gathering that you meet up with total strangers because you don't want to be alone <laughs> you just want to have fun with them and so when you're Yes. <laughs> if you don't want to be alone, just don't don't erase all your friendships in the first place. That's the thing, though. They, they don't want to maintain that. Like Kurt said, they don't want to spend the time grooming that garden, but they also So it's kind of like speed lonely. friendship, almost like speed dating was back in the day. You don't have to be as emotionally attached to it because you can just meet them once and never think about them again. Kind of thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, 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 I don't know how to characterize it. It's I, called a putt? Yeah, so it's like, ding, like ding, putt. So like, a, like yeah, a flash. So it's like, a, if, it, if you're meeting up at a singing room, it's like a singing room putt. If you're meeting up for flash lunch. Flash <laughs> You know when that would work real nicely, I think, is like a language exchange putt? Well, language exchange, you know, that kind of thing already exists. And that's fine because you go yeah, But you don't want to see the same purpose. person all the time and all this. You want to swap out and you, know, you get used to the, the, the sort of micro vocabulary that you circulate with one person. If you had like a, a language exchange pot and maybe 10 people showed up and you sort of, you know, talked to them and then it was a new group the next time, that would be kind of cool for language learning, I think. Mm-hmm. It would expose you to new things. Is this pot thing like a major trend? Do I need to... Remember this? I don't think it's a major trend. It's a trend among especially the younger generation, the twen- yeah. those in their 20s. I, the one thing I don't want to do with strangers is noribang. 
<laughs> no, Noribang needs to be a safe space. A safe space? Are you saying something about your vocal cords here? Yeah, or? they're awful, but amongst people who are already exposed to them, <laughs> I'm not embarrassed. Really? I'm not going to go to a flash Noribang. You have to say it in that voice. Because a I don't want to... Flash. I don't want to Noribang in front of random strangers. That, that doesn't interest me at all. You don't have to be embarrassed because you won't see them again. I'm embarrassed. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't work for you. Nope. And as for the personal connection diet, is that, a, is that a big trend? I think that's a really, really big trend because people are getting really sick of having to maintain relationships that, you know, aren't healthy and don't do anything for them in their lives. Mm. You know, why waste time on other strangers and other people who hardly have anything to do with me, you know, why, when I can use that time to focus on myself? It's called the Inmec Diet, the mm -hmm. uh, personal connection diet, a little bit of hygiene for your network. Let's hear what the commenters, the robo-readers, have to say about it. It's much more comfortable being alone than trying to make and sustain awkward relationships. They're only pretending to be hermits. Real hermits get stressed out being around other people. I don't think they're tired of existing work and social relationships. That's just an excuse. The real motive is to meet a potential date. Don't you have any common sense? Aren't you even afraid of meeting total strangers like that? Just because it has been okay in the past, it doesn't make it safe. We live in a day and age where we can't totally trust the people we know. Jim, be honest, that final one was something you tweeted or commented, wasn't it? <laughs> Sound like Jim, yeah, it did. It's, it's dangerous out there, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, they say the definition of uh, an introvert or an extrovert, the key deciding factor is how you recharge. Do you recharge by pulling away from people and being by yourself, or do you recharge your battery and feel reinvigorated by being with people? Mm. By that definition, how, would you consider yourself, Joanne, an introvert or an extrovert? By that definition, I'm definitely an introvert. Me too. I need my alone time. I'm definitely an extrovert. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. And I think probably, you know, in terms of this not building networks, a group of three media talking heads are probably the, not the right people to talk to <laughs> about cutting off connections because we require <laughs> yeah. them. We thrive on them. Very true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, media people tend to be... Uh, religious networkers almost networking as a religion but um yeah it comes down to i think how you recharge your battery uh joanne and i from what we've just said we definitely need to pull back every now and then it's not that you and i i think are bad connectors or bad networkers mm -hmm. but um after running that race for 100 meters or so whew, we need to rest read a book binge watch something on tv you might be the other way around uh jim you know you he need to connect to your friends <laughs> and get some humor and get some things i mean it's just about who you are yeah i mean i still enjoy you know the the same things that you know being on your own sometimes reading a book that kind of thing but it isn't necessarily how i recharge i, mm. I thrive off the energy of other people and so putting that back in this <laughs> that sounded so bad <laughs> by feeding off other people he is yeah yeah Jim vampirically networking to sap the energy of those around him. But presumably, your friends are also kind of extroverted, so it's a trade of energy. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, at least a bit of both. And in the connection of this personal uh, connection diet, this new Korean trend that we're talking about, uh, Inmek Diet, uh, I guess if you withdraw, 
you sort of it's almost like going on a, a diet and then when you reconnect with people it's a flood of energy back in and if you're an introvert then you you get extra time to really recharge almost like going on a, a sabbatical of human connection Mm, I mean, some in the older generation are saying that the younger generation are really having trouble, um, you know, forging inter, uh, you know, relationships, and they're really self-centered. But I think you know this is a healthy way to you know focus more energy on the people who really matter to you the most or are more important um, and play pivotal roles in your life. Mm. So I think it's a good thing. The digital thing surely has something to do with it because it's flattened the playing field. You encounter literally hundreds more people a day through digital networks than, say, dad or grandpa did. You know, they yeah. only had about a dozen people max mm. that they would deal with every day unless they were some kind of traveling salesman. Yeah, I think that does make a big difference. And I think regardless of whether you're introverted or extroverted, it doesn't mean that you don't want to cut off sometimes from the constant online chatter. This topic comes up over and over and over. We'll inevitably talk about it again. It's digital overload. Every time you connect, even if it's just a little Twitter conversation or what have you, you're commenting on a thread, it takes a little bit of your attention and your energy. So it's possible sometimes to kind of uh, feel like you've, you're being bit by a thousand mosquitoes in terms of attention, right? All right, guys. Well, that's our Diving Korea Friday for this time around. Jim and Joanne, thanks very much for coming in, and we'll see you again next week. Thank, Thank you. you.